Amen. Welcome. Welcome. Are you still amazed by grace? Are you amazed by grace? I mean, when I think about who I am in all of my sinfulness and that God would still choose to take my place on the cross, it's just, it's, it's amazing. But I'm glad that you're here this morning, and uh, especially if you are a guest of ours, and uh, I would uh, direct your attention to our, our bulletin, and there's some information in there for you, as well as for our home folks, and we've got... Uh, got a little portion here that you can tear out and give us some information about who you are so we know how to minister to you and uh, or maybe if you are uh, maybe you're some of our home folks and you just want to give us a, a prayer request and we can know how to pray for you that'd be that'd be great and uh, you can place that in the in the offering a little bit later or give it to one of the ministers at the at the door at the end of the service right now I want you to find someone and and let them know that that you're still amazed by grace and that you are excited to see them in the house of the Lord this morning. Good morning again. Good morning again. I want to ask you if you would to make your way back to your seats. And uh, I'll try it one more time. Good morning again. And uh, I, I know you guys are so excited to see each other. And I'm excited to see you as well. But uh, I want to ask you if you would make your way back to your seats. I, I wanted to take this opportunity this morning to have a special prayer for our schools as uh, many kids have started back last week or will begin or will be back this week and so right now I just want to ask if you are if you are a student if you're a student in our schools if you would please stand for just a moment maybe a long moment but if you would please stand as we look around we see our students okay or if you are uh, if if you are part of the faculty or staff at any of our schools if you would please stand faculty and staff okay all right so uh, we have just look around we have a lot of folks that are impacted by our school systems uh, whether it's public or private or whether you're homeschooled um, uh, you know and I just want to take a moment right now to pray for you and so I would just ask the rest of the church if you would just find someone nearby and, and, and you can pray with them or, or pray over them. So on the count of three, you move and find somebody that you can pray over. Ready? One, two, three. You move. And um, all right, I'm going to pray. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for, I want to thank you for our, our teachers. Thank you for the effort that they put in each year in um, taking taking the opportunity to, to teach and to train and to um, share truth and to, to help grow our students. And, Lord, I know that it's far more than just academically, though that's their, probably their, their primary task. But, Lord, our teachers help them grow so, uh, socially and, and to interact with each other as well. And, Lord, I pray for our, our Christian school teachers that go into uh, places where they may or may not be able to share their faith openly. But, Father, they can be an example. They can point people to Christ. They can be a light. They can be salt in, in a place that, that needs that. And so, Father, I want to thank you for them and, and be with them and protect them. 
Father, also for our students, that they would take this opportunity. I know some go back to school begrudgingly, uh, but Father, that they would take this opportunity. It, it is a it is a uh, privilege that they get to go to school and, and learn. And Lord, you've you've challenged us in your Word that we should grow and learn in all wisdom and truth and knowledge. And so, Father, I pray we we take that opportunity to to do so. Lord, protect them. I know that. There's a lot of evil that comes upon our schools. Uh, it seems to have increased over the last few years. But Lord, protect our students, protect our teachers, our faculty, our staff, everyone that drives a bus, everyone who serves a meal or, or teaches a lesson, people in the, in the offices. Father, they all work together to, uh, to help children grow into adults and, and have success. And so, Father, I just pray your special hand of protection upon them. And, Lord, we're going to come back tonight and, and pray over our schools again, and we're going to go out and, and, and walk around some of our schools that are, that are close by. Uh, but, Lord, right now, as a, as, as a unified body, we just want to lift up your name and uh, lift, up, lift up our students, teachers, faculty, staff, and may you be honored. Watch over us and guide us and lead us, and may we follow you in all your ways. So in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you will just make your way back to your seat, you can remain standing and we will continue our worship.
is by knowing that we serve a living God who is powerful and is able. No matter what our situation is, no matter what we're facing, what our fears are, what our uncertainties are, we serve a God that can come through, that he can deliver us from that. And uh, it's an awesome reminder for us. pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day you've given us um, to come here and worship you. Um, please help us all to have a great rest of the week and for us all to worship you more. Please bless these tithes and offerings for them to further your kingdom in your name. Amen.
right. And have the kids come on down and join me up here on the stairs. How are y'all doing this morning? Good. Y'all ever have a problem forgetting stuff? You do? Yeah, I do all the time, I think. So you forget stuff. What do you do to help remember? Okay, you can write it down on a piece of paper. Maybe like a post-it note. Yeah, sticky note. You know the problem with sticky notes is, even though you write it down and you stick it, they fall off. <laughs> they don't always stay there, right? So sometimes the sticky notes don't stay. Even if you stick them right on your forehead, they still fall off. <laughs> right. Okay, what else do you do to remember stuff? You write it down and put it on a sticky note, but it don't always work. What else, Hannah? Keep it? Well, where do you keep it? In your car. Yeah, you keep it in your car. That's a good place for it. Some people put stuff down on their phones. So they type it in so it'll always be there, right? Unless the battery's dead. <laughs> because you forgot to charge it. That's kind of silly, huh? What about something like the bulletin? Yeah, we wrote stuff down in here so that people can remember that there's an Awana meeting tonight at 445. Yeah. <laughs> there's lots of other things in here that to help you remember, okay? Right, you can write down stuff. Well, today... God gave us, or Jesus gave us something that we needed to remember, especially. And he did something um, with his disciples the day before he was crucified so that they could remember. We don't always remember everything that we're told, right, or we're done, that we've done. But this you need to especially remember, okay? What he did was he invited his disciples to a meal the night before that he was crucified. And in that meal... He took a piece of bread and he told them, remember that this bread is like my body. Okay? So remember this. And he told them to eat it. Okay? He also gave them a cup of wine or a grape juice and told them that this is my blood. Remember it. Your parents, a lot of your parents today are going to be taking this in what we call the Lord's Supper. Okay? So we do this a lot. Why? So that it helps us continue to remember what Jesus did, that his body was broken like the bread was, and then that he shed his blood on the cross to die for our sins, which is what this grape juice and wine represents. Okay, you think y'all can remember that? Is that something y'all can remember? Keep moving forward with that, okay? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we uh, thank you for giving us something to constantly remind us about you, Lord. That this little piece of bread, this little glass of juice reminds us of your broken body and the blood that you shed for us. That you did this to deliver us from all of our sins. Now, Lord, be with each and every one of these kids and everyone in this room. In your precious name we pray. Amen. You please stand once more. Street. 
remain standing and you you've got your Bibles you can go ahead and turn to the book of Acts chapter 12 I'll give you just a minute to find that and give just a minute for our praise team to get in their place but we have been in the book of Acts now for some time since since Easter this year <clears throat> I just want to say thank you to our praise team those who those of you who, who know us you, you may be noticing that Curtis and Ann are not here so we'll, a special prayer for them uh, her her, her sister in Mississippi and, and her, her her husband, uh, her sister's husband is is not doing well. We've been praying for them for some time, and they went to go be with her her family this week. So, uh, be in prayer for them. Acts chapter twelve, beginning in verse one. About that time, King Herod cruelly attacked some who belonged to the church, and he killed James, John's brother, with the sword. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter, too, during the days of unleavened bread. After the arrest, he put him in prison and assigned four squads of four soldiers each to guard him, intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer was being made earnestly to God for him by the church. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we are able to read your word this morning. I pray that you bless the reading. Give me words to share your message. Give us open hearts and an open ear to hear from you today. Speak now and may we listen. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Last week we looked at what took place in the church at Antioch. And there was a, there was a famine in the land and the church in Antioch took up collection and gave to that famine. And now Luke turns our attention back to the church in Jerusalem. What's going on in Jerusalem? Well, King Herod is attacking the folks there in Jerusalem, attacking the church. And we turn real quickly, we, we get news of, of James. James' death. And we see that it pleased the Jews that James was killed. And so I think it's worthwhile to at least examine just a little bit of who James was. Well, he had a brother named John and collectively they were called the sons of thunder the sons of Zebedee and so they were also among the very first apostles very first disciples that Jesus called he called Andrew and Peter and, and James and John he, they were they were fishermen and so James was James was pretty outspoken over the life that we that, that we know of over the life of, of Jesus um, as he as he walked with him he was part of that inner circle of three that that so many people like to distinguish among the 12 apostles that there were Peter, James, and John. The three of them did things together, oftentimes close with Jesus. He went up to the Mount of Transfiguration. He was one of those three that were, that were there. He was with him in the garden as, as Jesus prayed that night. And so he was a very close associate of Jesus, a very close apostle of, of Jesus. But there was something that kind of, kind of stuck in the crawl of some of the other apostles. Uh, of the other apostles as John and James went up to Jesus one day and said uh, they, and they, they just asked hey uh, you know do, do you think we do, do you think we could sit at your right and left hand in the in the kingdom and 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 that didn't sit so well with the other disciples but but Jesus response was 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 interesting and I want to read that to you from the book of Mark Mark 10 37 we, we have this it says that they answered him Allow us to sit at your right and at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup I drink or to be baptized with the, baptiz the baptism I am baptized with? We are, they told him. And then Jesus said, You will drink the cup that I drink. And you will be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right left is not mine to give instead it is for those it has been prepared for it says you will drink the cup that I drink you'll be baptized with the same baptism that I have and I don't claim to know everything that's wrapped up in that little sentence there but I think part of it is this you're going to see me be led to the cross and crucified and that's the cup that I that I have to drink and you'll you'll taste that as well if, if you'll just follow me and here we have a fulfillment if that's if that's indeed what Jesus is talking about we see that already 
in the life of James right here as he is killed. Now, some may speculate that he was beheaded, but if he was beheaded, that would have been like an, ab an abomination because he was, it was there, you know, ordered by Herod. More likely, I, I believe, that he was, uh, he was, he was speared with the sword uh, in, his, in his side. Uh, but at any rate, he was, he was killed. He was, he was killed there uh, by orders of, of Herod. Why did it please the Jews, though? So I gave you a little background on who James, who James was, but why did it please the Jews? And, and this is a little bit of speculation, but it's based on what, we, on, on what I understand and what we can know from Scripture. And you begin to think, maybe the Jews are thinking, look, look, we've, we've got James. He's out of the picture now. And it, man, if we can just get Peter and John, maybe we can put a stop to this thing. Maybe we can stop this propagation of the gospel. We know that they've already carried it out to, to our Jewish brothers and sisters in other parts of the world. They're, they're already in Antioch. They're already down in Samaria. But if we can get these leaders, maybe we can put a stop to it. Maybe we can stop the growth of this church. But the news is, you can't stop the church. You, you can't stop the gospel. You can shut up James, but you can't, stop the, you can't stop the gospel. And you can't stop the mission of God. People have been trying to do that for thousands of years. And you can't do it. Look, if you can't stop, if you can't stop the mission of God by killing its founder, what makes you think you can kill his subordinates and stop the mission of God? And he came back from the grave. Killing his subordinates won't do anything. But now, but now what we see, they got Peter. So they did they did kill James. And we could camp out here for a long time, but Luke, as he wrote the God, as, as he wrote Acts, he didn't stay a long time on James. He said, James was killed. And now he moves on to Peter. It takes up the bulk of the rest of this uh, chapter. It's talking about Peter. We've got Peter. Now what are we going to do? So the church says, I'll tell you what we'll do. Look at verse 5. We're going to pray. Prayer was being made earnestly to God for Peter by the church. Herod's weapon is the sword, and the church's weapon is prayer. When the world wields a sword, the church responds in prayer. Look, I've got a one-point sermon for you this morning, and that's it. When the world wields a sword, we respond in prayer. The church's weapon is prayer. And we don't always see it that way because we're not the ones that are always in control when we pray. Because when, when we pray, we pray, your will be done. This is what we'd like to see. But God, you, we're, we're saying that you're the one that's got to that's take control here. Father, your will, your will be done. As the church, we don't fight fire with fire, so to speak. Whether it's in our country, things around our world don't look like we, ought, like we think that they ought to. And so we don't respond in the same way the world does. Or in our homes, among, you know, in, in our marriages between husbands and wives, we, we have an argument. We have something that comes between us. We don't respond the way that the world does. We need to recognize that it's the enemy who's trying to separate us. And so what do we do? We pray. We pray for each other. We pray for ourselves. Prayer is where we go to. That is our weapon. We don't change the world necessarily by sharing a meme on Facebook. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, with the social media, but that's not how we change the world. I wonder if all the things we complain about, if we pray about them as often as we complain about them. We don't change the world at the ballot box. I do believe we ought to, as good citizens, go to the ballot box prepared, and we ought to vote, cast our votes accordingly. We ought to go, and we ought to pray about that. But that's not... That's not the stipulation that was given to the church in order to change the world. It's through the gospel. And we don't change the world when we expect non-Christians to behave as if they're full of the Spirit. Now, we, we should expect Christians to behave like Christians. It's okay to look at Christians and say, I don't think you're walking in the Spirit. Uh, I, I don't think you're being led by the Spirit. I don't think you're walking according to God's truth. And you're a Christian, so you ought to know that. But for me to assume that a non-Christian would behave like a Christian is really kind of illogical. So 
how do we move forward in prayer? And I wonder what was going through Peter's mind as he was as he was imprisoned. Because if you keep reading, it's it's like he, he was asleep. It, it didn't seem like he was too worried. In fact, when the angel came, he had to wake him up and get him going. But what was going through his mind? Or the other apostles that were still in Jerusalem? What were they thinking? Do you think that in their mind they thought, well, if we could just overthrow Herod and put someone else in, in charge, we'll be okay. I don't know. But you can't stop the church. You, you can't stop the gospel. You can't stop the mission of God. We must pray. Jesus says that my house should be known as a house of prayer. Do we think that he was serious about that? We must pray. We must pray, and that's what the church did for Peter. In the rest of chapter 12, I'm not going to read that to you today, but the rest of chapter 12, I would encourage you to, to read it. The, most of what is there is the, the miraculous rescue of Peter from prison. An angel shows up and rescues him out of prison. By the way, I, I find it interesting that there are, there are a few parallels here with, with the very first Passover that took place in the Exodus as, as God's people fled out of Egypt. There's an angel here that shows up during the night and, and he tells him, he tells him, get up, move quickly, put, the, put sandals on your feet. We got to go, we got to move. And you know, the, the people in Israel, they didn't even have time to put yeast in their bread, unleavened bread. And they, they were told to put sandals on their feet and to move quickly. And they would be rescued. I find it interesting there are some parallels there. But Herod had the sword in the church. Well, the church has prayer. And with prayer, we gain access to the providential hand of God who can move and do anything he wants to. If he creates the world, he can certainly work within the world, and he can move. I wonder today if we look at the church here that's mentioned in Acts chapter 12, and we think about a persecuted church. When we think about the persecuted church around our world today, how would we respond Will we get on our knees in prayer like it, 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 it appears that the church did here in Jerusalem as they prayed for Peter? If we did that, would we see miraculous? Would we see the miraculous? Would we see people being rescued? Would we see people being saved if we just got on our knees in prayer? Our country, it, it appears that our country is becoming increasingly antagonistic toward the church. And I don't mean in the last week. I mean over the last 50 years. Our country seems to have become more antagonistic toward the church. The persecuted church around the world, our own country, do we pray for it? I talk with many people. And several of them have shared... I want to see a revival in our land. I want to see a revival in our country. I want to see a revival here in Noonan, here, here in, I started to say Wayne County. That's not where I am anymore. Here in Coweta County, people pray for revival in Wayne County as well. And if you look back through history, and if you study the great awakenings and all the great revivals in history, they have one thing in common. It was that people prayed, and they prayed earnestly. They would pray for hours on end. There's a, there's a famous story about a man named Gypsy Smith who everywhere he went in, in, in Europe, revival would, would break out. And some folks in the, in the United States wanted a revival in their, in their places. So they asked Mr. Smith to come and, and they got some pastors together and they said, what do we need to do to, what do we need to, do to see revival? You tell us what we need to do because we need a revival in this land. And, he told him to go home and get a piece of chalk and draw a circle on the ground. Draw the circle on the ground and then stand in that circle or kneel in that circle. And this is what you do. You pray, Lord. And you, you pray with everything, that every fiber of your being. Lord, would you bring revival to everybody inside this circle? He said, because it's got to start with you. 
And so church, this morning, as, as we think about, does our world need revival? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. But we need to recognize that I'm part of the world. And so, Lord, begin a revival in me. Begin a revival in me. Let me wake up and want to, want to immediately spend time with, with my Savior, who we will remember in just a few minutes with our take, partaking of the Lord's Supper. Have you prayed about it? Have you prayed for our country? Have you prayed for our world? And maybe we remember these words of a, a great hymn. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. And then here's a verse that we don't sing too often. I have read a fiery gospel, written burnished rows of steel. As ye deal with my contemners, so with you my grace shall deal. Let the hero born of woman crush the serpent with his heel, since God is marching on. And then here's a prayer we could even say for ourselves. He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is sifting out the heart of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. You see, God and his church will continue to move forward. We can either be a part of it or we can stand as a hindrance to it, but God's going to keep moving. Rome couldn't stop the expansion of the gospel. Herod couldn't stop the expansion of the gospel. The, as they put the nails in his hands, it couldn't stop Jesus from, do, from accomplishing his mission. The grave couldn't hold Jesus. Death would not stop Jesus. Death did not stop the apostles from carrying out the gospel. It never has. Nothing ever has stopped the gospel from moving forward, and nothing ever will stop the mission of God because the church has been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and not even the gates of hell will prevail against the church. And nothing, nothing will stop God from using you if you simply place your life in his hands. God can use you, each and every one of you, each and every one of us here, if we just say, I submit my life to you. And today as we think about, even in the midst of tragedy, because James is killed, Peter's arrested. What were they doing at that time? They were praying. Well, they were praying. But did you notice... Verse 3 and 4, what it says there. This took place during the days of unleavened bread. He was about to bring Peter out before the Passover. And so today I want us to reflect on maybe what the church was doing at this time. And we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper as well. Before we do, I want to just mention three truths to you that whenever we partake of the Lord's Supper, these elements here, there are three truths that we proclaim. This is not an exhaustive, an exhaustive list. There are other things that take place, but three I want to highlight for you this morning. Number one, we're in desperate times. But we always have been, ever since the garden. Since we've been kicked out of the garden, we've been in desperate times. Isaiah would say, I'm a man of unclean lips because he realized God's holiness and his sinfulness. He goes on to say later, later that all of my righteousness is like a pile of filthy rags. I'm no good. The Puritans, they said, even our tears of repentance are stained with sin. And so I want you right now, wherever you are, look inside your own heart. Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians 11 not to partake of this in an unworthy manner. You need to repent this morning. Is there something in your heart that you know is not right with the Lord? I want you to take time right now to do that. And so we're going to be quiet for maybe 30 seconds or so and just spend time reflecting, reflecting your own heart and allow God to minister to you. Let's take that time right now.
thank you that you provide forgiveness for sin. Lead and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Three truths. One is we're in desperate times. We're all sinful. But number two, it's, it goes right along with it. We're all in this together because you are a lot like me. And that is we're honest to goodness sinners if we're honest with ourselves. You see, whenever we, we say we're all in this together, we're all served from the, from the same table this morning. Uh, the, the, the bread that was broken was shared among every, everyone that was there that night. The cup was shared among everyone that was there that night. And this morning, we'll share the, the bread for all those who claim to be believers in Christ. And we'll share the cup with all those who claim to be believers in Christ. You know, you're, you're not alone in that you are a sinner. We all are. And I need grace just as much as you do. And so we're in this together. So we're, we're proclaiming that we're part of the body that's a fellowship, uh, the, that we're part of this fellowship, the body of Jesus Christ. And the third thing is that we're not hopeless. We're not hopeless because we have a Savior named Jesus. This bread and, and cup that we partake in this morning, is, it's not about outward religion. It's not, it's not a way to show off. It's not a way, it's, it's, it's not a way to earn, merit, or gain salvation. It's an expression of an inward change. It's an outward expression of an inward change. There's been a transformation in my life, and, a, and I recognize Jesus for who he is. It was Jesus' body that was hung on the cross. It was his blood that was poured out for the salvation of many, for the forgiveness of sins. And I want to ask our servers to go ahead and come forward now. You still make this a time of prayer in your own, in your own heart. We don't want to partake of this in an unworthy manner. And for me, that means at least a couple of things. One is we need to make sure our lives are right, that, that our hearts are right before the Lord. If we have unconfessed sin, that we pray right now that the Lord forgive us of that sin. But also, we believe that you ought to be a baptized believer. You don't have to be a member of our church, but you ought to be a baptized believer to partake in the Lord's Supper today. And in just a minute, these elements will be distributed, and, and we, can, we can do that. We can participate and remember and reflect on Jesus and, and who he was and what he's done for us. So right now, we'll take the bread. And I want to distribute the bread.